If you want to support our podcast financially, please visit patreon.com slash IIMBSB. Also, email us with questions or ideas at ifimaypodcast at gmail.com. So today we speak with my good friend Maya Visvari, who works for the Office on Violence Against Women at the DOJ in D.C. She tells us about her experience with becoming a mother and how it has changed her and her relationships. And she tells us a wild story. Welcome to If I May Be So Bold, a podcast about relationships. I'm Dan Epstein, recording artist, Enneagram 4, and ADHDJ. I'm Justin Waring Crane, model, actress, singer, dancer, mathematician. We've never really done this, gone in just like raw dogging. No, no prep call. Oh, yeah. Scary. I know. I'm a little nervous. Yeah. What's your biggest fear? Mm, I won't know what to say. You'll just be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You will. What's your, how's your, what are your emotions like today? Otherwise, I have a little, um, we have a farewell party for the share. So Mm. there's like some sadness and some, yeah, embracing the next phase. Yeah. But also like kind of ready for the share to be over. Like it feels good. Your nanny share. The nanny share. Yeah. Do you think um, Kira's going to miss it? For sure. She's like excited about school, but then other times is not because she knows she's not going to be with Helen or Shay anymore. And when we visited, that was just about to start. When we visited I you. I know. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like a full, it's almost exactly two years. Like I think we started like, Mm. mid-September 2021. Wow. So, Maya, you're one of my best friends from college. Mm -hmm. So so nice to have you We've known each other 20 years. Ah! Wow. Almost like exactly. What the fuck? I want each of you you to share a fun or crazy memory of the other person (laughs) from college. Um, Oh, man. The first one that popped into my mind was this one time... You got rollerblades at some point. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and like I had them. I brought them up. From okay. Home. You brought them up. I don't know remember what the context was, but you were just wearing them. I don't know if we were like we were at a party or <laughs> something socially. And you kept doing this bit where you're you kept being like, like you would get too worked up or something. You're like, I gotta blade this out, you guys. <laughs> and you would just go like blade. <laughs> I love that. I That's... don't remember that at all. <laughs> That's fun. Um, I had so Dan and I, my husband Dan and I just went to a drive-in movie theater when we were in Maine. And I was like, I think one of the last times I was in a drive-in movie theater was you yeah. and I went. Did we go with anyone else? With Mike. Mike Maselli. Yeah, and we saw Blades of Glory. Whoa, another rollerblading <laughs> or blade theme. Yeah. Similar. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that was the first. I was, yeah, drive, I was like, I don't remember movie. what movie it was and like where it was in Georgia. Like it must have been not that far away, right? I feel like it was, yeah, it was like a half hour outside of the city or something. It yeah. felt like a long distance. I remember that was like a really dreamy day where Mike had his Sebring convertible and mm-hmm. we like wrote, we like got. We like got breakfast and like rode around with the top down 
And it just felt like really nice and like peaceful. So much free time. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So you said you wanted to talk about, and it's okay if this has changed, motherhood. How becoming a mom has um, informed, changed your relationships. Mm -hmm. Is that still seeming, feeling good, resonant? Yeah. I mean, you know, this podcast is about relationships and I feel like motherhood, parenthood, but particularly motherhood, it feels like it changes kind of every relationship in your life. You know, like the one with yourself, the one with your partner, your partnered, the one with your parents, uh, the one with, and like not people too, but things like um, time and flexibility and uh, your body, Mm. food, wow, um, work. And then another person, friendship, person, relationship, friendships. Yeah. (laughs) Does that spark something for you, Justin? Any of those in particular? Well, of the, of all those relationships, what do you feel like? I don't know. Like have, has the way motherhood changed any of those relationships? Like of all the things you just named, like it changes your relationship to your body, to your partner, to your friends, like. I mean, I feel like they're all pretty transformative and a lot of it is just your priorities shift kind of in every one of those categories and your identity shifts, right? So have you guys heard the term, I think I'm saying this correctly, matriescence? One more time. Matriescence. I have, I I don't know what it is. No, I don't know. It's like adolescence, but... It's when somebody becomes a mother Um, and they're doing a lot more like research and looking at this because of course there hasn't been a ton of research or look at women in general, but you know, mothers and pregnancy and postpartum. Um, And, you know, they, they have found that like even the changes in your hormones are like more significant than that which happens at puberty it's like the most significant change in hormones of any part of your life and something that has just kind of been compelling is just knowing how the world functions and just seeing it through the eyes as a mother um there was this tiktok i don't remember who it said but she was kind of like, nothing will radicalize you more than having a mm. child in the U.S. Mm. And it's just true. You just like come across the systems and see how they're really like working against women and children. Mm. Um, that didn't really answer your question about like which relationship. But yeah, there's, you know, just a new identity and your priorities change. And so like with the work, for example, like I like care a lot less about shit at work. Like I don't get as bothered by things. Drama that happens at work uh, feels petty to me in a way. Um I have like a second job and it's like a more right. important job that will take precedence. So like if I need to leave, if I'm like physically at an office that like 
it's just, you know, it's going to be my child that takes precedent. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that you're not caring as much about just stuff at work feels less important Mm -hmm. because of that. And there's been times in my life, and I know this is an insane thing to say, and I think maybe it just speaks to like how trapped I was feeling, but there's been times where I'm like so run down by work and just like, just feeling like this, nothing could be harder than this job where I'm like, I just want to have a kid so I can like have, you know, something that's just feels so clearly like Mm. I'm, I'm making a difference positively in someone's life. And, you know, I understand the, that the insanity of that feeling like surely having a kid would be easier than this, but that's just like how, like how insane my job was. I mean, it is, but it's like, um, it's feeling like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm doing this stuff for all these families. But it's like, if, if I had just one kid, I would be doing it for just one kid and it would be my kid, you know? So yeah, I don't really feel that way right now, but I feel like something that's not really talked about is like the calculus of reproductive health and in your thirties that comes in with your career. I mean, we know about the like, you know, penalty for women and how they're just always kind of behind. And one of the major reasons is because of motherhood. Right. And Mm. if that's either from like, they took some years off to work in the home or, um, they like didn't get a promotion because like it was thought of that they might get pregnant or they're, they're going to have a kid soon. But honestly, I'm also at the point now where like I'm starting a new job and the new job has less responsibility. And it's more, if you were looking at like the corporate ladder, even though I don't work in the corporate world, but like, it's more of a step down than a step up. Um, and it's just because I don't have, well, the sun on my face right now. <laughs> I don't have um, the like energy to manage work when I'm also like managing, you know, life at home too. Yeah. But I, I think that I've totally had those calculuses too. Like last year, well, there's this one event that my old job, for some reason, my position, I had to be very involved with putting on this big event. And it was like a really horrible experience. And I was, I had the thought of like, okay, well maybe next year I'll be pregnant or like just have a baby. So I won't have to do this. Totally. (laughs) And that's actually already after you'd had a kid, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I mean, like, yeah. even now, like my job, there's a calculus with my work and my, you know, reproduction, like we want to have another kid, but I didn't want to have it while I was on my old job because I just was not of good mind and body health there. Um, mm. And I was like, well, I don't want to start a new job and be pregnant because it's kind of horrible to be the first trimester in, at, at work. <laughs> And it's also really hard postpartum at work because I would say it took at least six months for my brain to like come back into the professional world. Like you're just, your brain changes so much um, after you have the kid. 
And it's, you know, it's done for protective reasons, right? There's certain things that like our logical executive functioning is kind of dampened and our like emotions, senses are heightened because back in the day we were, you know, on guard, making sure that nobody was going to eat our child or our child wasn't in danger, that sort of thing. That's something I really am curious about, like what that shift was like for you. I think that goes under relationship to self mm-hmm. because you think you know like what your brain is and like what your personality is. And when your physical actual brain is changing, that's got to feel really wacky. And I don't know, for me, it, it's, it makes me feel scared because it's just like, I don't know. I just, yeah, the brain is so weird and, and we don't understand like even a fraction of it, but, Mm -hmm. um, what was that like for you being like, okay, like now I have this whole new brain. Mm. Well, I don't think it's like, it wasn't necessarily like negative changes, nor did it feel like forever changes. Um, I'm actually reading a book right now. I have it right here. I think you would like it. Just hold it, hold it up. It's called Mother Brain. Ooh. Neuroscience is rewriting the story of parenthood mm. by Chelsea Conaboy. I've just started it though, so I'm not really well versed in it. <laughs> That's um, so cool. I'm gonna check that out. But I also think I have somewhat of a well. It's not unique because a lot of um, new mothers have had either traumatic births or like postpartum yeah. mental illness issues. So do you want to say, can we just say like real quick, my oh. traumatized brain was probably more overtaking my non-traumatized brain. Yeah. Do you want to just, should we make reference to the fact that your birth was like an insane, <laughs> uh, episode yeah um i've done a lot of therapy um and including emdr so Mm -hmm. i'm like able to talk about it um but i had my daughter kira uh in the beginning of june 2020 and um at that time only uh well okay so at that time there was only pcr tests and in March 2020, like the, towards the end of March, I was like, oh, I definitely have COVID. And I wrote my doctor and I asked for a test and they were like, they're out in March 2020, only healthcare workers could get tests. And so they were like, well, unless you need to be hospitalized, like stay home. So then came my birth and I, well, I would say that I had a multi-trauma birth because I had a very what's called a precipitous labor. Um, I mean, it happened very quickly. Um, when I got to the hospital, uh, I was five centimeters and, um, I fully went through active labor and transitioned and started pushing when I was in the triage room. 
which is like the tiny little room they take you in while they see if you're in labor. And then if you're indeed in labor, then they bring, and if there's an L, a labor and delivery room available, they'll cart you over to one. Um, so normally folks, especially their first birth labor for days. <laughs> um, so it was a surprise to us all that it happened within like an hour for me. Um, the, also the funny thing about this was just to shows you June, 2020 and how little we knew about COVID or what we were doing. Cause I think that like, we forget this as a culture, but like, so there was probably like four or five people in the room at the time. There's like nurses and my midwife and then this guy trying to put my port in um, or my headlock. And, um, and then they were like, okay, we're going to do your COVID test. And everyone went out. Oh, and Dan was also there, my husband. <laughs> and so everyone went out and the midwife came back in and she was wearing like full, like PPE, like looks like she was in like a hazmat suit and did my test and then left. And then everyone came back in like barely masked so it was just like really funny like the test was the big like exposure in their minds I guess not me like um you know puffing and puffing groaning in labor yeah (laughs) um so by the time I got to the labor and delivery room and Kira's heart rate was dropping um and she was too far up for them to feel comfortable with me pushing. I do like have a lot of faith in these midwives that they wouldn't like, um, you know, like have an unnecessary intervention. But I also think at that time, like C-sections were a lot more, they were just doing more C-sections, I think, to have more control over the environment. And also remember like hospitals were like nervous about and doctors or the nerves about like losing money and stuff like that. So oh. wait, do you think specifically during COVID they were doing more C-sections? I think so. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm sure the research will show in like five or 10 years <laughs> and just hospitals were so, as they still are, they're so um, nervous about their liability. Right. Yeah. So they do everything out of risk reduction. So anyways, I had to get an emergency C-section So I was in the labor and delivery room for like eight minutes total. (laughs) And then they like ran me to the OR and Dan couldn't be in there because like I had to, I had to go under general anesthesia because I didn't have a hep block in or I didn't realize this was going to be my whole birth story. But (laughs) Mm. um, because at one point my like hep block like flew out because when the guy was trying to put it in, I was like sweating a lot. And that's because I was in transition, but none of us knew that or thought that that was happening. And transition is the like time between active labor and like pushing. Mm -hmm. And it's usually like the time uh, where like shit really hits the fan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, usually women are like, or pregnant people are like, um, like, I can't do this. Like, just take me home. Like, I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like I can't do it, you know, and usually they're sweating, sometimes vomiting, all that stuff. So anyways, my head block flew out. And so they had to like get me to the OR and put me under general anesthesia. So I was asleep 
during Kira's birth. And Dan was in the labor and delivery room. And then they brought Kira to Dan. And then like two minutes in, they were like, oh, we need to take her away. Because while I was in the OR, my test results came back positive. For COVID. For COVID. And, you know, now we know that PCR tests can show up like positive for 90 days after. Oh, right. We did not know that at the time. Right. They, they also, the test didn't show like viral load. I was like asking for that. So anyways, they sent Dan home, which still doesn't really make any sense to me. And then I, and then they put Kira in a separate room. She was in a like COVID nursery <laughs> Um, and then I was by myself in a recovery room and, um, fully had to like recover from a C-section by myself. And it was like, also because I showed positive for COVID, like people didn't want to come in and like take care of me, you know, (laughs) which I was like, okay, that's understandable. Like, I feel like the nurses at the time were like, I don't want to risk my life for (laughs) someone. you know, so I I wasn't probably attended to as much as I normally would have been. You know, our doula wasn't allowed to be in the hospital either. Um, so I didn't meet Kira for three days when we were both discharged. So wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> yeah. It's an insane, it's an insane episode. Welcome to my birth story. (laughs) So I, you know, I know you guys like to talk about attachment too. So that was also like a big um, Mm -hmm. worry of mine. And I probably like swung the other way to make like overcorrect. What do you mean you overcorrected? Just making sure that we were as close as possible, you know? Um, And then I think like we were home together all the time for a year yeah. so that was like you know a blessing a definitely a silver lining of the mm-hmm. pandemic um i have a question mm-hmm. so let's say justin and i are gonna have a kid um i'm like i come to you and i'm like i'm i'm like just want to know like any wisdom any advice about like what to expect or like how to navigate like our relationship in that first year um, mm-hmm. after having a kid? Like, what would you say? Great QD. <laughs> this isn't an announcement, is it? No, <laughs> that'd be really cool of us though. And you're the first person we would tell. <laughs> so I would say something I wasn't prepared for or didn't expect was all the like emotional labor and uh, the mental load of parenting and how that just a lot of things are invisible, right? There's like the invisible load of motherhood and things kind of, especially in a heterosexual relationship, like things naturally fall onto the mom to be the default parent. And I mean, the other thing is like when you breastfeed too, like you're the feeder, (laughs) you know, you're the provider. Like I breastfed for a year. So, and I also feel like that kind of set me up 
to also be the one to think about like feeding like solid foods and, mm-hmm. you know, meals and things like that. But like just so much about like your everyday life and like life administration and household um, work and the division of labor was unexpected and harder. Um, there's this book called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. You know it. Yeah, we have it. We have not read it. Yeah. Um, I think some of it is hard to do. Like, I don't know if the cards would actually be realistic. I think it's hard to really, at least in our world, in our relationship, like thinking about like one person taking complete ownership over all these tasks. Like, I feel like there's too much like things that change from week to week or day to day. I actually saw this um, clip from Brene Brown, which was really cool. I feel like helpful to hear. She was like, you'll never, you know, relationship is never going to be 50-50. Like that's impossible. Um, She's like something Steve and I do is, you know, we'll come in and kind of say where we're at. Like maybe I'm a 20. So if I'm a 20, then he knows, you know, he might need to step up more and be more of an 80. Or we're both, at 30 and just because of, you know, outside circumstances, we're both for the 30. So we're just going to order takeout and um, not mm-hmm. put pressure on ourselves to do anything, you know, spectacular. I would say something that like also, especially once the baby starts eating solid foods, like something that changed drastically was just like dinner time. <laughs> mm. So I feel like before we had Kira, like I barely knew like, you know, if Dan and I were going to have dinner that night, you know, we would make dinner sometimes together during the week, but it wasn't like, okay, like we, we have to be home for dinner time. And like, this mm. is, we have our like meals planned out for the week. And, um, that sort of thing. I feel like before it was kind of like, oh yeah, maybe I'll see Dan tonight or he might go out, like meet up with his friends for happy hour and then like come back late. Maybe we'll eat at like nine. Um, it really like shifts with a kid. And I mean, and we do it, we have our dinner at like seven, seven thirty, which is like a lot of our friends and neighbors are like kids are in bed at seven thirty. So we're like later. <laughs> than most of our friends. So a lot of them are eating dinner at like 5.30 or 6, which is pretty wild to me and hard to imagine like getting that together and like getting our shit together by that time of the day. Yeah. Totally. Love talking about um, Brene and Steve. (laughs) I know. (laughs) This podcast should just be about Steve. Um, But yeah, I like that they, yeah, what they had talked about was like if there's ever a time where their combined capacity is less than a hundred percent, they like have to sit down and make a plan of like how things are going to go. So it doesn't fall apart or they don't like damage their relationship or like their interactions with their kids. Um, mm. I just think that's like, that's a great practice. So I read. Yeah. For that. And I would say the other thing that is surprising is, has been like, the lack of space to have intentional conversations or um, 
yeah, ways to like work on things, right? Like it's, there's so much mental load that comes with being a parent and managing a household. And especially if you're a working parent, that it just feels like there's the space like isn't there. Like at the end of the night, after the child or children go to bed, it's like, you're so like overstimulated and zapped that like having a um, conversation about things. And like, you both have to be on the same page too, of like being open to having a conversation and like discussing issues. So that was also like kind of a surprising thing. And like, you know, if you have ways to make it more intentional, like to have space for that, that check-ins. I would say that would be a good way. And I would say if you're somebody that gets overstimulated, like parenthood is very overstimulating. (laughs) Yeah. Justin. Yeah. I know that's something that I worry about because I, yeah, I already feel so exhausted at the end of the day and just feel like my brain is so like completely saturated even if I didn't do that much or even if I didn't go to work, it's just like I've had all these thoughts and like (laughs) listened to a million books and a million podcasts. And I get that that's like, you know, I do that to myself, but uh, yeah, I'm just like, I can't even imagine with a kid. Well, those things take different priority. Yeah. Like, I feel like I read a lot less than I used to, <laughs> or if I read at all now, it's about like motherhood um, yeah. or Bravo. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I, I will say that you do kind of get this new level of resilience and I guess maybe energy. I don't know. Like, I feel like you, you like can't take a sick day really as a parent. Um, so that is so chilling to me yeah. when I think about that. I know. I think about that a lot. And I'm just like, you f- if you feel like shit, like you still have to get up and be a parent. Like that's hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's overwhelming disturbing. to think of for sure. Yeah. I remember like being like 36 weeks pregnant and having a lot of anxiety about that. I was like, it's every day <laughs> for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. But there, and it definitely feels the most intense, I think, the first year. Um, but then you do find, you like slowly come back to yourself or your old self. I mean, you'll never be like the same person, right? But mm-hmm. um, you slowly get back to your old self, I would say in a way. And you find ways to take breaks and um, like yesterday I just uh so at this week is like I have a week of childcare but no work so which is like a golden week Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so on Tuesday night I like spent the night somewhere like 50 minutes north and then yesterday went to this spa for four and a half hours it was like the longest I've ever been in a spa treatment. I honestly, it was a little too long. I was like, I might do like three hours next time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, like you have to, you have to do that. Like it's, I can see how it's very easy to totally lose yourself 
mm. in motherhood and um, not do anything for yourself by yourself. But yeah. I'm like pretty intentional about getting that time on the calendar and, you know, doing doing that stuff. And I also think it's important for my child to see, you know. Yes. I love that. And I want to say as someone who sees a lot of parents and a lot of kids, you know, with my job for the past seven years, it's like I, when I was a, around you and around Kira, I was like, Maya is such an amazing mom. And it was just like really cool to see. And I was like, not comparing obviously, but like, it just does stand out. Like when you see a parent who's like, it just seemed balanced. Like you were, you were not like fretting over like every single thing, you know, with her. And yeah. it just seemed like you seemed so relaxed. And I was like, yeah, like that's a big reason like why Kira is so happy is because like she sees you happy. She sees you relaxed. So that was really cool. It stays with me. That's nice. Yeah. I will say, I feel like I particularly like with a newborn was a pretty confident mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if everyone feels that way. And so I can see how like, mm. I could see how you could easily like look up things at 3 a.m. You know? mm. Or um, be influenced by what you see on social media, right? Mm. But oh God, I've yeah. tried to always lead with like my intuition with parenting. and. You know, and I always think that like you got to do what you know works for you and your family and your child. Yeah. It's going to be different for everyone. So that's why I'm also like very. Uh, that's like my advice is like to not take advice. <laughs> I think I like that's that. wise. Like, you know, there's so much advice out there, and you can like you can. You can definitely like peruse it, I think, but then like, you know, it takes some discernment to just say like, okay, like I'm going to try that and I'm not going to try yeah. that and just, you know, only yeah. take in what feels like in line with your intuition already. I think that's cool. I feel like one thing that I've thought about with parenting in the recent past is like, it just seems like such an important part of the equation is listening and observing your child and like taking them in as opposed to like asserting what you want them to be or how you want them what type of I'm just are you willing to share like has there been moments where like certain behaviors or things where you felt your stuff coming up and you're being like no don't be that type of child be this type Mm. of child um well it's interesting because I feel like there's there's times when I feel like Dan's doing that. Um, but mm. there's probably times where he thinks I'm doing that too, <laughs> you know, cause also like once you become parents together, 
you're you're naturally going to have different parenting styles, right? Like there's definitely big things that you need to be on the same page about. But I also think it's helpful for your child to have different styles of parents and caregiving figures in their lives. Like I would not do it that way, but like it's good that she's experiencing that. Um, so I feel like for me with Kira, it's like anytime she like some perfectionism kind of shows up in her or uh, like if she makes a mistake, she feels like really bad. Yeah. So I just like try to let her like feel also like just feeling the feelings, like making sure she's, I'm holding space for her to feel the feelings and like work through it and not um, expect any sort of uh, like timeline with her feelings or, um, you know, path of her feelings either. Mm, Yeah, totally. That's great. Yeah, I've definitely come across parents where I get frustrated from afar. Granted, it's easy when it's not me who's in that position every day, but we're like I've seen, especially with certain, with like dads where they're like, their child's really emotional and they're like, it doesn't make any sense that they're so emotional. Like this isn't, you know, like, it's just like, yeah, Yeah. I know that drives me crazy. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to see. I mean, I will say, you know, Dan's great about emotions and, Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing too. But and and I like have to remind myself, and I'm sure he has to be reminding himself that like, you know, a toddler brain is a toddler brain, right? Like they're not, um, they're testing out so many limits and they're not super logical at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah. I will say like, you know, I feel lucky to have a child that, doesn't really have too many tant she's a pretty like content child you know mm-hmm. don't ha- i so far we haven't had to have any major challenges with her actually physical or mental health mm-hmm. or emotional health and, i'm really you yeah. know i think that's somewhat of a credit to us but also just who she is yeah i'm excited to see her me too someday <laughs> <laughs> Um, I hope maybe, well, how would you feel about, I want to share with the world that video of her singing the <laughs> hello song from Dan's music classes where she says hello to penis. I would, maybe we can, well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's sh- funny. So the, that's actually an IG. interesting thing about like um, parenting and caregiving. It's like, so we have a nanny. She's in a nanny share. And um, are you also find out like where your boundaries and hard lines and what what's important to you and your values and things like that. And, um, you know, like I have some friends where it's like, there's any hint of like, you know, fat shaming or fat phobia, right? Or like discipline, like that nanny would like, you know, not be... Okay. And like, obviously I don't support those things too, but, um, you know, my line might be a little bit different. And so I was, 
talking to our nanny about something involved, and we use the term vulva with mm-hmm. Kira. It's actually yeah. really cute when she says it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had said something to the nanny about like her vulva, and mm-hmm. she was like, "What's that?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, like her, like her vagina area, like the out, the whole thing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's not like. And we have this book about, um, there's this great series on like consent and race and gender. Um, I think the one, I'm forgetting the one on gender, what it's called, but the one on race is called Our Skin. Um, And the one on gender, like I just heard the nanny like, and she's like, you know, in her fifties, she's not from this country. (laughs) Um, but just like her notions and thoughts and she's, you know, pretty liberal for her identity, especially compared to like her family and things like that. But just to hear her, um, talking about like non-binary kids and trans kids, you know, she's kind of like, Oh, what? She's like, I I don't understand this. (laughs) Oh, it could be a good book for her then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not to, like, not to like infantilize, know. but yeah, I'm just like you know, cool. Learning for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Were there any like you said, you know, the process of becoming a parent really requires you to clarify your values. Were th- was there a value or or certain values that really like crystallized for you in that process? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think like working on an interesting thing that I I also, I feel like I'm learning about and then like teaching Dan to also incorporate is, um, you know, stuff with hunger signals and like showing Kira that we trust her to trust her body, right? Like if she says she's still hungry, like, and she just already ate a full bowl of something, then she's still hungry, right? And if she's, like, um, she says she's not hungry, then she's not hungry, right? And so trying to really instill that, like, you know, kind of the basics of intuitive eating, I guess. And just thinking about, like, how we we all have had that, but we've turned it off as yeah. we've gotten older, right? And, like, you know, those of us that were raised in the nineties and like, you know, (laughs) subjected to nineties diet culture. Um, you know, it's, it was, it's, it's totally like harmed us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think we're doing a lot of learning and relearning as parents, as we're like also learning alongside her. Um, Uh, love. (laughs) honestly you know speaking to my soul and um I think the value so would the value of that in there be body trust or something like that yeah like the values of yeah like anti-diet culture and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing and um yeah knowing your own body that it's an internal thing Mm, I think that's yeah. the that's the big thing that fucked us all up is like that our bodies are like these mysteries that like there's all these external factors we have to like keep in mind in our heads when making these decisions and it becomes totally not intuitive. 
Totally. Um, and like all this calculus. And and like as people in female bodies or like with female hormones, I feel like the role of hormones is so much stronger than we ever mm. think and thought and were taught. And you know what I mean? Like different, even like if different parts of your cycle, you're like, body is going to feel different and hunger is going to feel different. Like you're not going to be the same amount of hungry today as you were yesterday. Um, I think hormones are like the most powerful force in nature. I keep saying that. Um, You and Dan should check out, have you guys heard of that book, Reclaiming Body Trust? It's fabulous. It's by Dana Sturdivant and Hilary Canavy. Don't know if I'm saying that right, but it is fabulous. Highly recommend it. Maya, thank you Thanks, so Maya. much. You're the best. Yeah. So fun. And dang, I, w- I really wish we lived closer to each other. I know. It's so nice to see your faces. And that's our show. Thanks for joining us. Our music is by Nightlight. We self-produce this podcast, so please subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps.